And this is our plan of attack. Banks have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the Internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution Radio! When your doctor tells you you have bad cholesterol or blockages in the arteries, what do you do? When diet and exercise is not enough, we try medications and hope for the best. For the last two decades, I have been telling people about a natural method to help solve these problems and more. Extendivite can help maintain cardiovascular health and lower blood lipid levels in adults. The seven herbs in Extendivite are known to work together synergistically to get the results we hope for. There are many testimonials on Extendivite's effect on circulatory-related ailments. Get Extendivite today to start your journey back to a healthier life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or see us on amazon.com. Extend your life with Opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love and universal consciousness. With your host, Janet Kira Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Together we transform the world. And now, here are your hosts, Janet Kira and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sacred Matrix. Ooh, and I got lots of feedback. Hold on, let me adjust something. Okay, there we go. And I'm your host, Janet Kerr Lesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson, producer Thomas Becker, and we're doing a roundtable tonight with Dan Cooper and Karen Christine Patrick, and we haven't had Karen on for a while, so welcome back, Karen. And Dan's been a semi-regular with us every couple weeks. And we're going to talk about planetary solutions like the basic minimum needs economy and education, health and wellness, minimum wage, BMI, basic minimum income, physics, idiomaterial physics, AR board and life physics, remote viewing, twins program, multiple program, multiples programs, free energy systems, and much more. We're just going to go around table here and talk about how we can resolve things for these situations in this world which is not benefiting a lot of people um very negative energy and we're going to turn it around 
I want to keep bringing these planetary solutions to Revolution Radio here on the Sacred Matrix and our other show, Stargate to the Cosmos. So before I bring on, uh, you can just look on AquarianRadio.com. I've got Karen's extensive um, bio and Dan's bio and some pictures, and I'll be adding more during the course of the show and the post-production. But before I bring on Dan and Karen, I want to bring on Dr. Sasha Alekles. And how are you today, sweetheart? I have a burning question uh, that uh, that our guests may elucidate. Uh, A.R. Borden said that, you know, when Nibiru was heading for its perigee or nearness to Earth, uh, and it looked like it was going to cause uh, vast disturbances on this planet, he said that the extraterrestrials uh, were actually did something where they altered time space so that we passed or dimension or somehow we got past uh, the uh, perigee of Nibiru without a cataclysm. And I know that Borden said it was done, but I never quite understood it. And these are the two people that might be able to explain it. All right. So we're, we're going to start with Karen. Um, and then we'll bring you on, Dan, in just a few minutes. So Karen's going to begin the discussion um, talking about what are we going to talk about? The um, I mean, I, I can't answer his question. I know what happened. Go ahead and add, go ahead and <clears throat> answer the question, and then go into where we were talking about before the show got live. Um, you're going to talk about physics and all that stuff. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The, the kind of the answer to your question, Sasha, is uh, there were two life physics groups. There was the guys that started about 30 years ago. And then when A.R. Borden kind of went rug from that, you know, from the programs he was in, uh, he gathered up his own latter day or new, you know, life physics group. And I was a part of it. And it was actually a what he developed a, a, a meditational group, meditational protocol with a bunch of us. Uh, you guys talked to Michael Lee Hill and Charlotte uh, and uh, PJ one and some others. And uh, we basically worked together in pairs, uh, uh, quite a few of us doing a mantra, I guess you'd say, or a meditation to shift. Uh, I think it accomplished a time shift, but to shift the entry point of Nibiru into the solar system by a few point percentage points. Um, and like a rudder of a ship, if you just shift the rudder, if you, you know, a, a little bit, uh, it comes at a different angle, which would be a non-catastrophic pass of Nibiru um, <clears throat> during that program we worked with something called the platform so that was a common uh, air, um, meditational nocive area that we all accessed and later on my own reconnecting with A.R. Borden after his uh, not being with us on the planet anymore uh, he came through to several of us so there's some of us who you know are still in contact with him and apparently we were successful and we pissed off some people that wanted the catastrophic thought they want the catastrophic result and so we're not going to have a catastrophic uh we're going to have some uh, you know effect but it's not going to be catastrophic uh but we've got people running under the old program who were who feel that they're, they're trying to benefit from the catastrophic way of it and so now we're in an interesting position because we're 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 going to come into a different space with this. And so our response would need to be different. And I was very privileged to um, continue my contacts with the being, some of the beings that were in that same etheric space. And I learned interesting things, but that's the gist. And uh, uh, Michael Lee Hill talks about 
this more extensively than I do online. If you want to go to his his material, well, well, he I, talks about it as well. Uh, Karen, did, did, did you did you this happening in space? Did you get mental pictures of it, like on a map? Uh, did, did you you know, can you give me some details about how you did it and just what you did in terms of uh, 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 your senses and thoughts? Well, uh, uh, he made it as a kind of um, uh, like a, a specific uh, a formula as possible. We worked in pairs, and we 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 kind of intentionally agreed together that uh, the 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 angle of ascent of Nibiru under the system was going to be non-catastrophic, and there was some spe- specific numbers involved. Um, don't ask me because I don't remember numbers. And then for me, um, I'd hang up the phone with the person I was partnered with. And then what would happen is I would um, continue to stay in the space. I had, I would continue to stay in that space. And I connected with other beings myself personally who kind of started telling me more of what was kind of going on to make that happen. And so I got some impressions and downloads and mostly pictures. I have one set of beings. I kid you not, they look exactly like the uh, blue gods and goddesses from uh, the, uh, like if you were going to an Indian restaurant and you see them and they're on a poster and they look blue, they look just like that. Mm -hmm. And they had those quick, quick saddle kind of looks on their faces, you know, and they, they kind of showed me, uh, that in a sense, the mechanisms that was going to be done to make this happen was not to necessarily move a planet per se, was, was to move uh, our like collective awareness into a different timeline. So that was more, and that's, you know, my personal impression. If you ask other people, they may have a different opinion, but that was what I became aware of. That was a timeline shift. And, and I think we're seeing some of the results or, that we see of timeline shifting that's been going on has been uh, 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 reflected in the Mandela effect. I think when you've got two different people were remembering two different events differently. Wow. <clears throat> I always remember the wrong one. So whatever's current, I'm always the wrong one on that. You know, so, you know, uh, uh, Berenstein <laughs> Bears, Berenstein Bears, you know, uh, how many people were in the limo when Kennedy was shot. Whatever the current one is, I'm always the wrong one. So I, I must be from that other timeline, apparently. Yes, you are. I can. I can. And that's something that's magical. That's <laughs> yeah. magical. So. So then let's uh, let's have Dan chime in. So Dan, you wanted to you have some specific questions for Karen? Uh, Nibiru, yeah, Nibiru did uh, it, it did a time phase shift. Uh, the physics of it, it whether it did it alone or, or uh, the people inhabitants there um, in cooperation with the planet. Planet's alive. Every planet has an entity. It's uh, that that every planet is alive. It has an entity. And uh, whether Nibiru did it by itself. Or it did it with the inhabitants there. I, I, I don't know, but it did phase shift. And the example, the examples that we have are the USS Eldridge. That was a six force experiment for phase shifting. And that's actually the current technology that the U.S. military uses for cloaking uh, their aircraft is a six force of phase shifting. It takes steps it back just a second in a moment in time. And so it's not in this time. And then, it, and then Nibiru was able to travel through our our solar system, and then it would, and then when it re- leaves our solar system far enough away where it won't do any damage, then it will reappear in this timeline. So she's correct; it did phase shift, time shift. But the example is the USS Eldridge. 
that's where you can see how it was done, because that experiment is the technological way of doing that. Right. And do you have the historical, uh, was it really, there, there's some people that are saying it wasn't in Philadelphia and all that shit, too. Um, sorry, not should say shit, but <laughs> all that stuff. Um, what's your... Well, no, the, lab, the, the lab where they originally did the experiments were in Philadelphia, but the USS Eldridge they didn't do they didn't do that experiment in Philadelphia or in the harbor. It was much further away. They didn't want anybody to see what they were doing. But the Philadelphia experiment is a lab in Philadelphia where they did all the original um, uh, the original experiments. Mm-hmm. So, what did you want to talk about in terms of physics? What is um? What did you call that? You call Free it energy. what? Is that? Um, you know, free energy systems. What's what's ideomaterial physics? See, Karen studied with AR board. Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Remote my... viewing, and yeah. yeah, and so I've done remote viewing. Um, you know, it's it's part of Project. Uh, what do you call it? Um, not Pegasus. The other one, Stargate, which I'm a part of. Right, and then we all these things are tied in together. So, Karen, do you want to give us a little background, and then we'll ask mm-hmm. each other questions. Well, yeah, we, you had a, you've kind of, you've, you guys have done such a great job tracking the AR Borden story because even the people in the group, uh, a lot of times we're disrupted a lot. So it's difficult to get the story out. But basically, AR Borden is the pseudonym of the, almost all of the men that were involved were pseudonyms. Um, it was a, it was a, um, project that utilizes, uh, physicists that were open to the idea of like a quantum hologram type theories and then the uh um they used uh well probably people would be familiar with the concept remote viewers but they didn't actually use those words because the remote viewing is like just okay i'm gonna go look over there it's not uh that type of protocol and everything about that i say remote viewers i think they know what i'm talking about it's not the same thing because in the they developed their own language in the idio material physics, which is what they eventually call this type of physics, which is, it's basically the idea that um, uh, ideas and thought, idio part, uh, is what underlies material reality rather than particles. It's it's thought and ideas and energy. And so they were trying to come up with a new terminology, and that's where Pierre Borden and the older guys, who's everybody, is the term so different uh but that's the kind of the you know kind of we have a group called the writers of ar borden on facebook oh hey we're still up and running i'm always amazed um you can come and and we in the file section in the file section we have a lot when the when ar borden left us and that's a whole story um the group who still had he he likes throughout documents uh, kind of willy-nilly whoever got interested. So we all had a different set of documents. So in the writings of AR Board and Facebook group is where we um, put all the, as many as we all had um, and, and, and tried to update versions that, that was, you know, as much as we could. Um, we all put all those documents in the file section in there. So if, if anybody's interested in, uh, you know, the, the files on this, it's in that group. Um, and we also keep them on our own in case, you know, we, uh, you know how things are on Facebook. Um, 
And so basically, uh, yeah, they used uh, uh, ENS, extension neurosensing, which is their terminology for what they're doing. It's not exactly remote viewing. So I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going to go try to find a missile base in the in the old USSR or something. It's more like you're taking a part of your consciousness and inserting it into, or you're going out into different realms and, uh, you know, multidimensional places and etheric spaces and space and time and whatever. It, it's much more to it. And you, you kind of try to be there as much as you can and then give a report back of what you're seeing. And so they used what they call a nocive. So a person is a nocive. They know, they know things, right? And they call them nocives mm-hmm. and they use them to map this, uh, reality structure that they were looking at and figure it out. And so you were one of those people. I was a, uh, yeah, that's a whole story. My, my awareness factor of like my own like life path was, um, I felt like I started learning about it when I, before I got, just before I got to know AR Borden, but then when I realized what I was looking at, I realized I've been getting downloads on it for quite some time and was involved in the programs and they probably did a mind wipe with me like they do in the secret space program but this would be your secret science program right this would be um there's an overt and a covert yeah there's an overt and a covert and now i gotta say a third one overt uh science technology etc there's a covert science and technology there's also et uh a non-human overt and covert technology and science and so this is uh believe you me I have uh, good evidence that the government, of course, was studying all of this stuff, but then they would have the overt program say, oh, no, we didn't, you know, and, uh, you know, put us down and say that's not real science and all that. So all this stuff starts to make sense when you listen to whistleblowers if you know that there is a overt, covert science technology in government. Then it makes sense. Yes. Karen, Karen, if I may. Karen, Karen. Karen, sure. what did you see when you uh, did sorry, the, the, Wait, uh, yeah, the sorry, we'll talk at once. Stop. We'll talk at once. Karen, Karen yeah. when you did the equivalent, uh, I, I haven't held on to the term, of remote viewing, but you're there and, and you're gnosising, what did you notice on Nibiru? I'm terribly interested in just what you sensed and knew on Nibiru. Uh, I was less like on there. I think a good person to talk to of on new bureau things would be Charlotte. She got, she did quite a bit more on new bureau itself. Um, my, my experience was, was more with the etheric spaces. It, one of the things that they, the, the gnosis discovered was that there is, uh, dimensional spaces that are earth-like. They're just like earth. They're, they, their environments and later the uh, program and I've never been able to get uh, uh, Andrew Bushago necessarily to, to correlate that with me. But but both the uh, um, the, uh, the programs that he was involved in when when Bernard Mendez was talking about um, slots. So quantum subquantum environments was his terminology, as well as uh, uh, onto energetic environments, which is the terminology that it, it's the idea that there's spaces that are. Don't pop into the physical like we think of them, but like if you're there, it's physical. So I, that was more my experience. Uh, as far as like the, the Anunnaki and the Nibiru, <coughs> excuse me, part of it was I had communications, particularly with an, an Anunnaki ancestor who guided me through trying to understand 
what was going on with that. So I don't have that personal experience, but I have that awareness that, yeah, the Denier Bureau is a kind of a pain in the butt when it comes to the solar system. It, it's caused many, many problems, but it, I think, I think in your material, I've discovered it depends on, you know, which time. Sometimes it's more catastrophic than others, I think. And that probably depends on the orbit a considerable amount. All right. Is it two, is it two ways that when you, uh, get them, they get you at the same time? It can happen. It sort of depends on if I'm looking at a historical record. The other thing that I would add is that our internet, uh, mirrors and a sort of an extra net. So there's a, there's a common historical, I don't know what you call it. It's like, a, you could say Akashic record, but basically there is an internet, an extra net. What do you want to call it? of uh what one of my being friends called the history so it's like kind of what really happened so sometimes um there's an intelligence and individual intelligence communication base to it sometimes it's literally like reading a file or watching a video or i've 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 watched etheric videos it's a trip because they are third dimension they're third dimensional um and holographic and it and uh one time uh ben a guy a being that sounds just like ben stein was saying our solar system has 10 planets you know that kind of stuff so it can be funny i mean and, and enlightening but i think uh uh you can definitely say of the life physics group contactees almost all of them were anunnaki contactees to man because uh, that was also ar borden's experience he was abducted with his father by a craft in Brazil, and he himself was an Anunnaki contactee and experiencer and abductee. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Dan, did you have some questions or feedback or comments? Yeah, the uh, the remote viewing was uh, well that that remote viewing level is psychor psyops. They're very advanced, but the remote viewing yes. that they taught us, the Apache warriors taught us the remote viewing, and you're all familiar with that because you've actually seen it in many movies. Where the, uh, the shaman would, um, take over a hawk and then be able to see through its eyes. They were our, they were our grunts. Yes. We could do that. They taught us how to do that from very early on and we were really good at it. But we were also able to do that, uh, with rabbits. So if we wanted to hear long distance, we could enter a rabbit and then hear long distances. And if we wanted to, uh, feel the ground, if anybody was, uh, uh coming, uh, rolling on the ground from, uh, you know, we we want to feel the vibrations of the ground. We would go into uh, a snake. What? So we were able to take over um, different animals and then be able to feel and see and hear through those animals. And that was the remote viewing they taught us. Also, because I was in the twin program, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let Karen talk a little bit about the twin program first. Oh yeah, okay. before I do. Because, uh, okay, so let me, uh, uh, add to what you were saying. Um, I found out I'm, I'm Cherokee background. My, my father had a Cherokee background. I found out I had those kind of capabilities as well, but I didn't have a training. Boy, I wished I had. Uh, but what happened for me was I had really, really bad eyesight as a young child between the ages of three and about five and six. I was, um, basically legally blind and I realized later, like as soon as I had glasses, I could read and uh, I could read like the King James Bible level of reading and they couldn't figure out how they did that. And that was because I was sitting in my lap looking at the book through my dad's eyes when he was reading to me. Um, so that's a that's a human ability. They're actually um, experimenting with teach in India using the third eye to teach kids how to read and see um, that are blind. So this is a human ability. Um, um, yeah, they uh, have hit. They've used a lot of things from. 
Native American and other shamanic culture without telling us, of course, that they're doing it. They made it a mil, they weaponized it and militarized it, but they're definitely using it. No question. Uh, as far as going into the twins program. So this was, uh, how I found out about the twins program or the multiples program was the fact that, um, I was part of project talent, which was a overtly, so overt and covert overtly. It was a program to identify psychic young people in the, what had happened was, if you roll back before my era, um, the uh, 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 um, Americans discovered that the Russians were ahead on parapsychology research and using remote surveillance. So they got, oh, we got to get a program. So what they did was, we happened to have these guys around, these Nazi guys around, who we had gotten from Project Paperclip after the war, and some of them were on that type of research, and one of them was Yosef Mengele, which was an evil person, but... He was evil in very specific ways, right? One of the things that happened when they released the, the prisoners from the prisoner camp in, in Nazi Germany, and there's actually a movie called uh, Forgiving Mengele about one of these twins, was he was studying twins. So he was just studying everything, that why are they connected, to nurture nature, I mean, everything you can think of. And, and he had access to these kids by, you know, finding a pair of twins, pulling them out of the population and putting them in a separate Area And then, you know, doing horrible things like killing one and seeing how the other one reacted or torturing one. I mean, the guy was evil. But as a result, uh, and this is very controversial, there is um, research that was developed through this very evil way that is, of course, decried, you know, publicly. But covertly, it has been, you know, uh, looked at. And so uh, uh, what they – this would have been – Okay, so you just got to say it straight up, and the secret space program people like Penny Bradley would back this up. Uh, we have cloning, cloning in a covert uh, part of science. Um, and they discovered, of course, clones, uh, you know, ability to connect with one another. Identical clones are similar to uh, twins. So the twin studies kind of gave the beginning of that knowledge base, and then it was expanded on with with uh Cloning, and then the other way they get a multiple, and I think this is my situation. Um, I have a multiple who I have met and have my had my mind wiped, and it's really frustrating. But other people have have met this person and talked. You know, it's it's, it's known. Um, a lot of people in the air boarding group kept saying, "You look really familiar to me. I know you from somewhere." So I found out this is this is a multiple that I have. Um, they have a time multiple, so. All the parallel timelines, they can pull in multiple, you know, so a missing person it might be someone going over to another timeline. You never know. Um, uh, so that's a time multiple. Um, and this person was actually 15 years older than me. And then I don't know how they are 15 years older than me, but that might be cloning related because you can, you know, activate one and the other one be an embryo for a while. And who knows how that worked out. But uh, this person, what worked in the, the Psychic Sentinel program was a technician. Her job was to be a li- liaison between, it worked uh, kind of tangentially with the um, Project Pegasus, people tr- uh, going through space and time to weird places, and they were training the trackers, so psychic people who track the people going through exotic technology. Um, and uh, so when I realized what she did for a living, I realized I could do her job. Because I had a background in computer science and databases, and I also was a psychic. So I found out, oh, I, I have exactly the same skill set. And like a salmon or something, it, it was centered out in New Mexico. I came back to New Mexico. I felt very drawn to come here. And I think she was very curious about that. So she came to visit me uh, in New Mexico. And my, my two family members here with me remember her, but I don't. So 
there's a lot of high weirdness to that. But basically the same uh, principles of the twin study and the multiple study is also true for time twins and cloning technology as well in the secret space programs and the secret psychic programs. So there's a, you know, different branches of the secret program and some of them are the technicians and the scientists and do something besides fly a ship or something. So, Dan, what do you yeah, add yeah, to that? Yeah, that's all, that's all correct. Uh, again, she's in the higher, she's in PSYOPs, um, and that's very, very advanced. The twin program that I was in was, um, Super Soldier twin program that I was in. Uh, my brother and I, we still live together. My twin brother, my identical twin brother. And the purpose of, um, our level of, of uh, capability to communicate with each other um, telepathically. It's more than that. Um, when we're running through, when we're running through the rocks full speed chasing reptilians um, or any other species that's running through the rocks, like the Apache, there's one team. We, we would lead. We would lead a team of sixteen. They would lead one line of eight, and I would lead the other line of eight, and so. I would know exactly what he was going to do. He was the leader. He was the sergeant. I was the corporal or uh, airman, but nobody knows what that rank is. Anyway, so if he was going to make a move, it, it happened so quickly that it's not possible to – if I made the move after he made the move, then it wouldn't work because the lines wouldn't be even, and we wouldn't be able to surround the uh, the, the opposition, the, the people we were trying to capture. I had to make the move instantaneously, and the only way I could actually do that – was to have a psychic connection to know what he was going to do before he did it, and uh, and and it worked. It worked very well. And we played wa- on this timeline, and uh, we played water polo together. We were national champions together. Um, we played water polo together, and 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 the same thing would happen. I would know where he was going to be before he was there, and then I would throw him the ball where he was going to be, which is why we never lost a game because we oh, had this, we had this connection. So I've seen. I know of how it was used in the super soldier program that we were in, and I know how it was used. Well, we, we used it on this timeline, so I have collaboration on this timeline for it, plus my brother can tell you too. That's how we used to play water polo. But that's the thing, see. There can't, if it's, if it's a communication, uh, with radio, then there's a delay. Even, no matter how fast the radio is, there's a delay. And if it's a communication telepathically, there's a delay. There can't be a delay. Both teams, both teams of eight, uh, half teams. We were we were a team of sixteen. Both teams have to be running parallel to each other, and they can't be one behind the other. And the only way that's possible is if there is twins leading each side. Yeah, you're you're being bioresonant with each other, so you're literally thinking in par- in parallel processing together. I know, I know what he was going to do before he did it. That's the, and that was the twin program's objective, and they achieved it. Yes, it worked. Oh yeah. And so much so that as they developed the secret space program further on, um, they started using it, that capability and other aspects. Um, and also, so I think like, since I don't have a conscious, like a frontwards memory of this is that if you were going to try to find somebody who was transported where they shouldn't be, the reason why you'd be able to find them and you're trying to find an energy, you're trying to find an energy signature coordinate. So what, what, uh, 
Andrew Bushago was the one who corroborated all of this because he was the one who met the also met the person that was Mike Multiple um, and worked with her in the Project Pegasus was they asked uh, questions about uh, your senses. So it was like, what was your favorite food? What was your and the more of that kind of data, the energy signature data that you got. Um, the easier it was to track somebody if you were not a multiple. It was a hell of a lot easier if you were a multiple, if you were trying to find somebody in time and space. So th- this this connection, this resonant connection, uh, or, uh, you know, pre-moment, there's a pre-moment aspect. So you were talking, you knew b- before, uh, you know, before something happens, there's kind of a pre-moment awareness or precognitive pre-moment awareness. Um, then basically, yeah, you would be able to sync up with that moment, with that mind, with that energy signature, um, the more of that information that you had, uh, what kind of food do you like, what's your favorite smell, what's your kind of, all those tactile kind of things, uh, builds an energy signature profile that made it easier for the trackers to track as we had all these different programs because they started using teleportation so much, you know, pretty much jump room technology so much for so much of it that they really did need to have a tracking system in case, you know, they got a number wrong or something. So, yeah, exactly. Wow. Pretty cool, right? So, Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Way cool. Oh, I was going to say. Kind of, yeah. kind of makes me mad, too, because, you know, of course, in this this iteration, they blocked a lot of that out for me. I mean, uh, I think uh, that was what I realized when I discovered my multiple. Her name is Dr. Karen Rose, and she looks just like me, just a little older. And she's retired, and I believe she lives in New Mexico uh, Albuquerque area. That's why she came to visit me when I lived near Albuquerque. Um, is I'm a little frustrated with it, but I think the reason why I know a lot of the things that I know now was partially being used in the program, but some of it is I'm tapping into her memory. And as a result, because she had access to the database of a lot of things, uh, uh galactic history and things like that, I can just go read that information set <laughs> on my own. So, you know, it's like a, I, I'm kind of grateful in a way that I do know about her because now I know why I know so much about the program without necessarily remember being in it unless they also did 20 and back type stuff with me as well. All right. And Dan was in the 20 back. I just wanted to add that the um, uh, Grant Cameron, I saw him a few years ago at a conference, and he said that the reason why you can't shoot down the ET craft is because of that. They know before we think the thought about shooting them down, so they already have anticipated it and moved away from the possibility that they can be shot down. So we're becoming aware of these these systems. Dan was in the 20 and back program, and Karen doesn't really know your full story. Do you want to share a little bit with her so she can catch up on who you are, Dan? Oh, I'm sorry, Karen. I, we should have started there. Sasha's questions were really great because uh, he, he knows – that you're uh, real familiar with these things, and that's why Sasha's wanting to hear so much from you because Karen's experiences are correct. She's not faking anything. Um, no. No, 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 no. She was high-level psyops. Um, sorry. And they do wipe your mind, and it's very frustrating. Uh, and if you get some of your memories back, you're very lucky, and it's very frustrating because you, you want to remember, but you can't. Uh, sometimes I'll actually go back and erase again. But okay, where, where, uh, my program. In 1952, I was genetically engineered by Japanese scientists. Japanese scientists, Japanese genetic engineers were working with, uh, they learned genetic engineering from the Roswell Gray, the Roswell Grays. We call them the Roswell Grays, the little short ones. There are different grays. The Roswell Grays are the ones we're talking about. They're the ones that taught us genetic engineering. They taught the Japanese and the Nazis in 1929. 
And then from 1929 to 52, the Japanese geneticists had uh, perfected the process. And so um, when the United States made a – the treaty wasn't until 57, but the ceasefire was – in 52 um, with the United States and the Nazis and of course with Japan. And that's when the technology, that particular genetic engineering technology was shared. And I was uh, genetically engineered by Japanese specifically to be a sword fighter. Uh, we both were, well, no, actually my brother David wasn't. His specialty was uh, tracking and small arms and uh, other things. My specialty was sword fighting. I was, uh, that was my specialty, but we were taught by the, um, the best Japanese uh, instructors on I was taught by the best Japanese instructors and the best Shaolin instructors on how to fight with swords, specifically for dueling purposes in um, in the realms where um, people in the warrior cultures where that was the way that they resolve their conflicts by dueling with swords. Then, do should I go further, Karen? Hello. Oh no, I'm no, keep yeah, going. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm keep going. I'm, I'm muting, so I'm listening. Go, keep going. Man. I hadn't heard all. Oh, no, I I, I want to. You know, I. I Okay, so uh, so we were uh, you're genetically engineered uh, to have a little bit of a little smarter. By the time they got to 52, from 29 to 52, they made a lot of mistakes. But by the time they were got to 52, they realized that uh, if they make them, if they make you too smart, you'll go con on everybody. Uh, if they make you too strong or too, you'll get noticed. Or if they make you too um, fast, you'll you just get too noticed. So they make us a little a little faster, a little smarter, a little stronger than the average bear by 52. They kind of grasp that. So that when you go into the program, the technology, the, the technology what takes over. We had ro- robotic suits and and uh, implants and nanites and stuff like that. Not a not a lot. We weren't we weren't all AI. Just a little bit. Especially our team. We we were mostly uh, non. Uh, they didn't really uh, want our team to have. Uh, the enhancements uh, because we would compete against species that had the enhancements and they wanted us to be able to defeat them with uh, natural abilities. So that was, we, we were, we were kept away from the enhancements and, and, and it worked. We were actually, uh, you know, like you've seen um, uh, star Wars where um, the Jedi fight the drones and they always succeed because the drones are always slower. It's the same thing. Whenever you put too many enhancements into a species, it makes them a lot slower and a lot less capable, even though they think they're more capable, but they're not, not in battle, not in a duel. But, um, anyway, so the, it's the training that makes us super, that made us super soldiers, the training of the skills, the specific skill set that we require, that we, that, that they want us to have specifically to perform the specific engagements that we were going to, to do out there out in the uh, galaxy. We were a thousand, thousands of light years away from this solar system. We, we, were, we, were, we, we traveled with Dark Fleet. Uh, we traveled with the Nazis, and the Nazis traveled with the Dracos, and that's Dark Fleet. We traveled with that group. Um, my commanders were uh, my two commanding officers. I actually got to meet them, and, and uh, uh, I actually got to compete with them on the, with the, in the New York Athletic Club uh, men's uh, team when I was 16 and 17. I was competing with my two commanding officers. I mean, they were on our team, on the New York Athletic Club team, Hans and Berner, um, the colonel and, and lieutenant colonel, Nazi SS officers. And they said we're Nazi SS officers. I mean, even in, in this timeline, of course, we never thought anything about it. We didn't know that they were uh, grooming us to getting us close to our commanders before we actually were deployed at 17 and a half. I was deployed from the New York Athletic Club. Uh, I went to water polo practice, and I got deployed. When I came back, I came right back into that water polo practice, practice with Hans and Werner. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> oh, yeah, let me kind of add to that. Um, so my birth year is 1962. Um, 
So I was now now becoming aware with you and Penny Bradley and others who was the ones born in the fifties earlier. Um, by the time they get to sixty one, they're 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 cooking with gas on on a lot of the enhancements. Um, my uh, I, the Nazi involvement for me was was actually in this current iteration. Uh, my my parents were involved in a political uh, kind of a right wing political group that discussed all kinds of strange covert stuff. So I'm a second generation, which called conspiracy theorists. And uh, we had a gentleman uh, who was a Nazi, uh, uh, neo Nazi or whatever you want to call it, uh, a Nazi party member who was in our group coming to the groups. And then there was uh, w- when I started testing and 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 the testing was starting to show in the program and project talent they were trying to gather up you know outliers um my testing came up and my and one of the women who worked in the uh, office of the the private or the public school i was in uh told they were discussing me they were trying to figure out what to do with me because she her the wife of this nazi guy worked in the office and so i was brought in uh, i i pinged on their their sort of tests they had and I was brought in for a full psych eval, and, and, and I finally remember the hypnosis and some other things that happened. Uh, work with Xander cards and different things. And uh, I was, uh, they were trying to decide what to do with me, and my parents were getting upset about what I was telling them, what little I was telling them. And they decided to pull me out of the public school. So there was a kidnap attempt, by, but there was like an intervention. So they, you know, the ETs were not letting me be brought in that way. Um, so, uh, I was, uh, I was intervened with, you know, off and on and with just question marks. Cause like, what the heck, you know, what is that? Uh, but I came up in the, uh, I, I kept screening into the project talent screening that they did. So whenever they did the achievement tests, I came up with a high score every time. So they would like, well, you know, who is this girl? And there was two, there was two kidnap attempts. There was one when I was seven and there was another one when I was 13. Um, so, so I've been, I've been, uh, like, I don't know. I've been, it's been more murky for me, uh, kind of to add to it. I was put in a re- religious cult and it was a religious cult that was connected to the military industrial, com- uh, you know, complex. And what they were doing is that the religious cult was covering up, you know, so like if you had this very strict religious cult, there's no way you would say, Hey, I thought I flew in space. You know, you, there's no way you'd say that. Right. So it was part of the mind control program and i've now since found people in that exact same program so the other problem was was the they were trying to also experiment with what mind control would be used for uh you know kind of blocking us out so they could run both both programs they could run the programs with people overtly remembering whatever and also they could do uh you know control systems and then the other thing about religion that most people don't know and i was getting trouble when i talk about this is that um hierarchical religions tend to marry their own kind so it becomes a genetic petri dish because the other part of this program is genetic lines and it, and the petri dishes is guarding dna of different abilities so in my case, uh, on my father's side, I have some Anunnaki traits that I know about. On my mother's side, oh my God, we had such strong psychics on my mom's side. She is um, uh, genetically from the same area as uh, the, the Vril girls, so the Croatia area and also people, there was a population of them in Austria. Um, and that was the genetic line there and, and also Irish. So we had the, a lot of strong you know, genetic predisposition to a lot of talents and abilities. So you're right. They try to use natural ability as much as they can because it's better. I mean, nature is so much better at DNA than, uh, you know, what they try to engineer. Uh, is, is, you know, nature is always the best, um, liveliest live culture <laughs> for all this stuff. So that's kind of 
catching that up. Awesome. And I'm telling you, it's all correct. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I tried to do my homework. Once I was, you know, kind of uh, deprogramming all this, I tried to do my homework because, like, you were talking about proving, you know, by having proof. I mean, like, you're going to try to get proof of this, right? Uh, I tried to do as much uh, research as I could to find out. Not so much proof. I think I think the, the key to this is proof is in the pattern. If you have two people, three people, ten people, twelve people, all saying something really outlandish, you might be able to dismiss the one. But but uh, uh, proof is also corroborated evidence in people's experiences. Like, why on earth would you want to come up with a story like this, even if you were crazy? Because it's it's you're embarrassed. I mean, I have flack from family uh, because of this. I have uh, you know, it's not fun socially sometimes because I can't just say whatever pops in my head about all this. I have to be careful who I say what to. Not because I'm you know trying to be secret or anything. It's just that. It's, it's overwhelming to so many people. And so if you're a person who thinks this is kind of like this is starting to feel real familiar to you, uh, the best thing to do is do your own homework about yourself because that's where you're going to get it. You're going to get it from the exploration of every thing, odd little thing that happened to you, that time that you saw a ghost or an ET along with stuff that you heard from us. Does that feel right? Um, I worked with an experiencer who discovered he was – trained in an ET craft, you know, he finally had that memory and he was pushing it away and then brought it to the forefront because he realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm not the only one doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, right. You, you've, you've, gotten, um, you've gotten around to a lot of people. I, I'm into physics and inventing, so I'm kind of a, recl- a recluse. I haven't really talked to anybody. You're one of the very few people I've... Uh, that's why, um, you know... That's why Janet likes you so much because she is also psyops, high advanced. Right. Psyops. That's why she she levitates towards all the all the the psyops people, and she can actually tell too. But I was well, aware. and that's what I've appreciated. Yeah, about uh, about them. Uh, where it started was them being open to hearing the story about Air the or Air Borden group. And um, before there was like the like before we got on Facebook and other places, there was a forum. So a lot of us met each other in the forum. And then, uh, so it's been really good because now we've been able to share together kind of the same material. We're all coming to the same material from different angles and for different reasons. And that was really helpful, like about almost 10 years ago, exactly, is when I started doing automatic writing where I was downloading a lot of this stuff and I was being helped by an ET group. And then, uh, in 2000, that was 2009, 2010, is when I hooked up with the uh, the uh, Life Physics Group Forum. Uh, we've also had some disturbing issues that a couple of the people that were in the Life Physics Group Forum uh, have com- have uh, been, uh, well, one person was either did or was framed for a murder, so it was really scary, uh, of, a, of a, a person who was a, um, a naturopathic researcher. Um, so we've had some, we've had some people kind of buzz out, you know, kind of. I think one of the things I identified along my discovery was what they call a, the Omega program uh, programming. Omega programming, um, that, that came to my head one day. I had an experience, part of my mind control was every single day, I would say, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, so I'd argue with myself. Uh, I had kids. I'm not going to do that to my kids. And then one day I was fighting it, and I heard, you're going to kill yourself. And I went, what is, who's that? talking and it turned out to be the programming that they were doing to say the closer I got to knowing about this 
the more I was going to take myself out. And I've now identified uh, people in the program I was in who've done that to themselves, either by direct suicide or they get involved in drugs and they sort of suicide by addiction or some other just self-destructive, drive too fast, things like that. Um, as well as outright murders of people that, that happened as well. Uh, but I mean, so there's, there's kind of that dark aspect of it. So it's like, if we're here intact talking to each other. It's to me somewhat miraculous. <laughs> I'm always thankful to every person I meet really who's been through it and, and, and can live to tell the tale, so to speak. They, I, I have to add, they, um, they don't want to kill, uh, people in the SIOPS program and they don't want to kill super, they definitely don't want to kill super soldiers because the last thing they'd want is their guards uh, uh, you know attacking them out there because the the aliens that are protecting us uh, and watching us and I have aliens that are protecting me that I've made agreements with to do that before I came back and uh, what they do is they inform um, the other super soldiers out and about the galaxy what's going on with the ones that return and the um Secret Space Program personnel know this, and so they actually protect us and keep us uh, any harm from happening to us. And I don't know if they do that with the PSYOPs people. I've heard they do that with the PSYOPs people, but I've also heard what you're saying. But because I personally have experienced this level of protection, uh, I know it's Oh, true. me too. Oh, yeah. I know I, I'm I immune. I know I'm immune. You know, I'm immune. Yeah. Yeah, I can't be. Tough. I know that I've been uh, pulled into another timeline because I did have a terminal timeline. I was quite aware of it, and I was kind of resigned to it because I mean, um, you know, I'm a, a, a had remember past lives, and I'm comfortable with uh, this isn't the only you know ball game. Uh, so I was, you know, sort of making my peace with life and getting my affairs in order. And uh, I had a uh, there was a shift, and I had actual physical objects. It was a time shift, a timeline shift. Physical objects in my world started to change. Uh, and my ETs were helping me, and I, they they put me into a different life configuration to protect me. So, but I had, you know, uh, I would just simply would not be here if I didn't have protection. Uh, and then, um, they're not done with me, you know. They've got some. They want me to continue what it is I'm doing, and I think the main thing I'm doing, at least right now, because I've, I've, I'm kind of uh, on a hiatus more or less. Um, lately, this last year, is talking individually to people who are discovering this about themselves and explaining uh, life physics, which I hope we get into, uh, because it's it sort of explains how psychic phenomenon and all this works. And so I've been on an individual counseling kind of level as well as being a consultant uh, for some people who are uh, have clients and other ones who are trying to figure all this out. Just so, hey, you're not crazy. No, this is real. You know, that seems to be what I'm doing the most of right now. Well, if you need corroboration, and my level's not nearly on your level, our level of psionics training is nothing compared to your level. But if you need corroboration, you need someone to say, yeah, she's right. Yeah, it happened to me too. Uh, I know how to tell it. You know, I, I know how to convince. Oh, that's... Okay, go ahead. I think everything you said to me is right on. You know, I didn't, I, I was in a different branch, I guess, of intelligentsia sort of service technology. Uh, database information i have a computer science background i had a computer business for 20 years and i have a computer science background and that was for me to understand the um well this is another part of of the technology that's being hidden is we've got the quantum technology being developed because 
you know, anything you do normally is quite open book. I mean, that's why it's kind of silly when people try to keep secrets to, you know, uh, an ET or something like that. They, they, their whole orientation to, uh, communication and, and, uh, psychic ability to read each other is quite different. They're not, it depends on the group, I suppose, that you're dealing with, but it's, it's just, it, we're, we are open book to them. They've made uh, very wry comments about that about us, and we're thinking we're getting away with stuff, um, and uh, we're not. And uh, and it's sad because some of that is uh, we we're trying to hide the fact that there's uh, human trafficking and all kinds of negative stuff, and it's quite openly known, uh, open secret, this where humanity's at right now. Um, and these guys that, that weaponize this technology, they think they're pulling a fast one, and and I think some of the higher ups obviously know. They're being monitored. The watchers are watched, right? Um, so they're being allowed to, uh, but I mean, not without being monitored. I mean, so that makes me feel better. There's, there's, I don't want to say there's cosmic cops, but maybe there is, but there's a benevolent, there's benevolent groups watching over humanity for sure. Otherwise we wouldn't be here for sure. Yeah. In my 20 and back, I actually made arrangements with more advanced species than the Draco in order to uh, help me out, give me some of my memories back, protect me when I when I came back. So I did things for them when I was out there in order to uh, get their protection when I was here. Now that happened with a lot of warrior races because that's where they that's where we I was stationed. Uh, I was stationed on a ship, uh, a cruiser, and um, almost all my twenty back was on a cruiser. So um, when we went into warrior realms, where there might be anywhere between two hundred to to a thousand or more solar systems that are part of the realm of that particular warrior race, um, then we got rid of all of our our, uh, our officers because uh, all of the U.S. officers they weren't warriors and they weren't welcome in the realm. So when we were in the realm yeah. doing our service, we didn't have our anchors with us, and we were able to to make agreements I was able to because I had won a lot of high level tournaments in those in those realms. And then every time you win a tournament uh at the highest level in one of those realms, it, the royals always say and and a, a favor is owed. And I would always say, well I need this and I need that. So I ha- I called in a lot of favors, which is why I can do this now here. I'm not saying that you can't. You're protected because of those kind of arrangements that we made when we were out there. Yeah, I was uh, a liaison between these groups, so that I, you know, I kind of got my ability. I think some of my agreements around, around the willingness to uh, be a communications liaison and and uh, information liaison, um, because it just kind of comes with a job. You have to be able to be free, <laughs> right? To uh, be able to uh, do what you got to do. You can't really be fettered in any way, or does it work? And and definitely, even when I was in the uh, testing phase. I thought it was very strange once I realized what they were trying to do with me that they were trying to convince me to work with them rather than force me to because they very well could have. But they wanted me to cooperate with whatever they were doing with Project Talent. Uh, and I thought that was really weird being a kid. You know, you're always told what to do all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm a little kid. How come you're like trying to, you know, be nice to me and, and, and all that and convince me to be involved? And uh, it was because of, um, you know, I kind of had that baseline of, of I kind of had a, well, one of the things that I found out, well, uh, you know, at one point was that I had clearance at like top, like you said, high level clearances and permissions and connections and agreements that kind of came with a job. 
uh, like you definitely, if you've got somebody working on your technology, your computer, you're going to give them their, you're going to give them your password. You might as well have somebody who knows how to be uh, discreet. So I think that's, that's how it worked for me. I think I feel that way. Okay. We have a break coming on Janet. Janet. Hello. We, did we lose Can Janet? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Here. I can. can hear me? We have a break coming on. Did you want to say something before the break? Yes, I wanted to say we have a break coming up. Um, <laughs> you can hear me, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Sasha has to speak more because he's being too quiet. But Sasha. No, no, I want to hear Sasha. Say? Yeah. Uh, well, one Sasha, thing that I, I was left with, back. I left way back at the story about you and, and your brothers, uh, whether you simultaneously uh, or whether you thought his thoughts before he thought them, and then realized that's a cause of nature with it. Uh, what's first and second, uh, and make the whole idea of content just an intellectual thing. Okay, well, we're, we're going to do a break, and when you come back after that, you'll have to tell us that what you're saying because we can't hear you. Okay, we'll be back in five minutes. Back after the break. Radio Freedom Slips dot com. Enjoy your extra big ass fries. You didn't give me no fries. I got an empty box. Would you like another extra big ass fries? I said I didn't get any. Thank you. Your account has been charged. Your balance is zero. Please what? come back when you can afford oh, to make no, a purchase. No. I'm sorry you had trouble. Thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio. 
Here at Revolution Radio, we believe in freedom of ideas, freedom of speech, but above all, we believe in freedom of existence through self-reliance. This station is 100% listener-supported, and as a fundraising promotion, I have a kick-ass free gift for a $100 donation. 35,000 seeds. 25 years in the freezer. Long-term storable, 54 different varieties. So, if food prices go crazy, the shit hits the fan, or if you just want to save tons of money every year by creating your own food, like I do, grab our Seed Pack Special. Just look for the banner on the homepage at freedomslips.com. Don't be a statistic. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. We need, as humans, to start taking care of ourselves and not depending on the megacorps to provide unhealthy, nasty food. Included in this package is also a DVD with 900 survival and off-grid living documents on the offline home canning how to do everything website all on the DVD. So when you're growing all that food, you know how to can it, store it, preserve it, etc. with all these documents. So thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I hope that you will pick up this package and start learning to be free. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps and freedom is one seed that needs to be planted. Tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener sponsored and commercial free, but there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. In the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. It happens more often than we can imagine. In my case, I was sitting at home, and out of nowhere, I just started feeling uncomfortable. Then it got worse, and I started perspiring. I tried to ignore it, but I waited too long. The chest pain came as we were driving to the hospital emergency. I felt my life clock begin to tick. I barely survived. There was lots of damage done to my heart. What do I do now? I was lucky. I took a leap of faith and tried a seven-herb formula with hawthorn, garlic, cayenne, and more called Extendivite. Herbs have been used for thousands of years to keep us healthy. If you're not using Extendivite as a preventative supplement, maybe it's time to start. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. 
opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Aloha and welcome back to the Sacred Matrix, and I'm your host, Janet Carolesson, with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson, producer Thomas Becker, and the rest of our panelists today are Dan Cooper and Karen Christine Patrick. We're talking about all kinds of things in the secret space program, the secret secret programs, and <laughs> AR board and physics, and uh, we got to talk about life physics in the second hour. But before we get back to this show. I'd like to remind everybody to please go to that donation button on revolution.radio and make a donation because we really, really, really need your donations to keep these programs on the air. And I think you like them because you're joining us today. And I'm going to sneeze. Uh, Thomas, uh, what's our fundraising? I'm going to sneeze here. Trying to uh, we need go ahead. We need 25.50 and we've got 21.06 that leaves $444 to go. And we have, what, four days, five days, something like that, right? Yeah. So get over there. Make the donation, please, please. Okay, so Dr. Lesson, Sasha. Yes. You were yes, yes I had. Uh, this second during, hour. Right. Yes, during the break, uh, uh, we I got plugged into a, this this uh, statement that, uh, Dan, that you made that you didn't want to hang out, or uh, you didn't feel friendly toward, and neither did your brother toward the um, uh, reptilian officers, and that, uh, and that you both of you didn't want to get promoted too high, and, and so that left me with two questions: What happened to guys that get promoted too high, and why didn't you like the officers? Well. It- you know, you're a thousand light years away when you finally realize um, that you're working for the Draco. They don't tell you right away. You don't find out till about uh, three or four months into, into the program. You don't really find out you're really you're really under the Draco. And the Draco commanders would start commanding missions directly, and they're real. They're not very nice, and um, and they're really overbearing. And we didn't like them right off. And uh, I actually refused orders. Um, they ordered me to kill a bunch of, of um, civilians, and I said, "No, nah, I'm not going to do that." You, you go, you want to do executions, you get someone else. I'm a super soldier; I don't do that. And then I got, I got called up on a court martial, and I'm not going to go into the details because that's a really long story, and it's a good story because it was a, it, it was a very quintessential moment in my career. It was why I decided to go ahead and go through with the 20 year and back, uh, but that's a really long story. No, uh, we didn't want to get promo- we didn't want to get promoted because we, we we they weren't going to promote us. We were a team of sixteen, and that was what we were going to do for twenty years, and it was never going to be any different. So there was no reason to take any higher rank than what you needed for command of the team. And we were both in. He was my brother was first in command. We tossed a coin on that one. I didn't want to be in command. He didn't want to be in command of the team, so we tossed a coin on that one. So he took tech sergeant, 
and I took uh, airmen. And that was it. And we and we refused any ranks past that. Sometimes they give you, you know, more sergeant stripes or more, uh, you know, first tech, uh, airmen first class or, you, you know, they, they'd offer you higher ranks, but it, it wasn't necessary to command the team. We didn't need any more rank than we had and we, we always refused it. We'd always turn it down. They gave us, they gave us, um, uh, five sixteenths stars every, well, we already have, we get the Medal of Honor your first year. Um, everybody does. It's in the program because they put you in these crazy, these crazy engagements. You're coming out with the Medal of Honor or you're, or you're dead, you know? So you always get the Medal of Honor your first year. We had the Air Force Medals of Honor. And then every year they would give us a five sixteenths star, even though we earned that almost every mission, uh, they would give one, give us one every year. Um, so we both, uh, I think I retired with 21 and David with 21. They always kept us the same because they didn't want us to get mad at each other. Uh, 21, do you know what a 516th statement is a Medal of Honor? 516th inch star. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, Sasha. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, look it up. It's 516th inch star. Uh-huh. Okay. Google it. Janet's got the computer. He yeah, wants you to look yeah, it up, Jim. I will. I'll look it up. I'll put one on the, the site. Five sixteenth inch star. And so what does that mean again? That means you did certain that's a certain honor. No, no, five, uh, well, you can only get one medal of honor, but anytime you've done the same kind of thing, they give you a five sixteenth inch star, so it's the equivalent of a medal of honor, but because you can only get one medal of honor, they start giving you five sixteenth inch stars after that. And you'll notice if I don't know if it's still posted, but you'll notice that Congress has has uh, uh, allowed 26 of them. And the only reason Congress has allowed 26 of them is because someone's earned 26. Wow! Wow! So how do you fit them all on your uniform? Well, well you only wear a uniform. You can see the ribbons. Go look. Look at the ribbons. Look at I have 21. You'll see the ribbons. Air Force. Okay, I'll go look it up. Look it up. I'll look that up. Okay. Yeah, that's what you were asking. That's only for ceremony. I'll go look it up. Oh, for ceremony, right. So it shows that you've done a lot. You've served to the highest. So you never be, have all those. Yeah, you never became You never hung out with. You never became friends with uh, uh, with your officers. Uh, they, and neither did the other guys, if I got you right. Oh, no, no, they don't allow, officers are not allowed to um, associate with uh, non-coms or lower ranks. They just don't do it. It's very strict in the Nazi uh, ranking system, and, of course, that's where we were. We were, tra- we were traveling with the Nazis. Our commander, our direct commanders were two Nazis. Hans was the lieutenant colonel. Werner was the colonel. We knew them because we played water polo with them, but, but when we were, in, uh, when we were in, uh, on the 20th back, they never talked to us. Only orders, and that's it. Gotcha. So you stopped having the friendly relations you had when you were playing water polo. It became more rigid and constrained. Is that well, what you're saying? Yeah. Well, they, they we were friendly when we played water polo, so they were trying to acclimate us towards being, uh, you know, um, in America they taught you to hate Nazis, so they had to get you ready to start serving with Nazis. So we had to play water polo with our two commanding officers for two years so that we would easily accept them when we got deployed. Oh. oh. Now, when you were playing water polo, was it fun? Did you laugh? Did you 
We won every game. We were I was 16 playing on the New York Athletic Club men's first team in international tournaments. We won every game. I was the center guard. I was the guy that, you know, did all the fights. Well, what were your dynamics with them when you were 16 and you were up against these people that were Nazis? Was it friendly? Did you laugh? Was it all negative emotions? No, there were only two Nazis on the team, Hans and Werner. They they were our commanding officers. Not everybody on the New York Athletic Club team were Nazis. It was just these two, our commanding right. officers. Right, so you're... We were I'm very friendly. We played water polo and we won tournaments with them for two years. We loved them. Okay, so you were very friendly. Okay, that's all. I was, I was missing that for some reason. Okay. Now, we're in our last hour and we got... Uh, we're 11 minutes into the second hour. Where do we want to go? Because there's a lot of directions we can go. Karen, where would you like to go? It's been a while since you've been on the show. What would you like life to talk about? Life physics group. Definitely life okay. physics I want to talk about. Okay. I don't get a chance right. to talk Karen, about it very often. Yeah. Karen's going to be with us for a couple months, and then she'll be back somewhere towards the fall. But go ahead, Karen. Tell us about yeah, life, life physics. Yeah, life physics is kind of okay. So it's the physics, but it's a sometimes a corollary would be a quantum hologram theory physics. Um, so, but life physics, I'm not sure why they chose that moniker in in, in the uh, AR Borden uh, life physics group, but it, it's it, it kind of comes from the idea of this is what you do naturally as a living being. You know, uh, a natural being does certain things and 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 we don't look at like we're told in our overt science what that is um they actually don't understand a lot of of things like even how the brain works or uh definitely we're not looking at fields you know what the, the fields of the body do or anything we have we have very disconnected science on this overtly um but what they were what life physics was pointing to is our natural abilities because we are alive and because we're in this um, reality and what what all the with the processes, and it was more about uh, a process. So you're, you're, what you're doing. He, he was talking about ing all the time. Mayor Borden was being, you know, the process. Because the other thing is, you, you dissect, sub, dissect something dead on the, uh, is very different than when you have something in its environment, you know, doing its behavior. It's very different things. And, um, what they, of course, discovered is that, um, human beings, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the ETs, but those races like us and similar, um, order intelligences, um, have a lot of innate abilities, uh, that is, you know, sometimes just like anything, like uh, being a musician or being a or whatever it is, um, we have different uh, mixes of those abilities. Uh, but the basic sets of it abilities can have a very hyper high level of it naturally. So, some people are very naturally high-level psychic. All of us are psychic a little bit because, for instance, if you meet somebody and you like them and you don't even know why or you don't like them and you don't know why and you find out later, uh, that's a sort of a baseline uh, a psychic connection that we're feeling out with each other to see who we are. Uh, but but also um, all of the, the – in the oldie days, they called them the Claire, so clairaudient, Claire buoyant, clairsentient, which is you know things, that's a nocive. Um, 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 I'm in the clairaudient, 
uh, nocive, uh, clairsentient uh, realm. And in other words, I just know stuff. <laughs> Anytime I want to know stuff, I know more stuff than other people I know know. So it's just kind of a, an odd thing. I dip into that. What it is, a lot of times um, I'm reading the information field around an object. So the kind of way I explain this is like if you're watching, I, I always watch that movie Shrek with my kids, you know, the ogre, you know, and he's he's actually, you know, technically when you're trying to make a movie like that, you make a you make a uh, uh, you make a construct. that's that character and you render that in, with mathematics. So that's basically kind of what's going to make a hologram. All hologram is, is information that that manifests as there is the ogre standing in the forest. Right. And so once you know that we're in a quantum hologram, that, that uh, then, then all of a sudden that mathematics and understanding uh, that we that we explore with computer science makes sense because it's everything has an information field or mathematics behind it, what it looks like, you know, how tall it is, how big it is, what how it acts, and our DNA is part of that where it's expressing like why you have this color skin or that color skin or why you're this tall or you're that tall. Um, this is all an information cloud kind of around any object that we see, uh, any person that we see, any object and nature on a, and the hologram we live in, the environment we live in. Once you kind of get your brain around that, uh, then all of a sudden a bunch of things make sense. So, for instance, tele- we were talking about AR, uh, we were talking about Andrew Bashago talking about teleportation and talking about, um, you know, time travel, for instance. So those are two things that he was a, per, a part of those programs as well as myself. Um, you know, teleportation is, uh, your, your hono, holo, uh, your quantum hologram self gets put over into a quantum hologram elsewhere. You know, that's, you go from here and then you're over there. If you're doing time mm-hmm. travel, then you have the time component. So your, your, your quantum hologram self gets put into not only an else, uh, where, but an else when as well. So all of these, um, what they discovered is this understanding explains all of the weird stuff that we would call paranormal. A telekinesis means that you're having some kind of um, your field or your energy or your, you know, your energy is having interaction with the energy of the spoon that you can bend, right? So the spoon has a, it's a construct, right? A quantum hologram construct. And when you bend the spoon with your mind, then your con- your consciousness and construct is interacting with that one and causing it to be different, right? So the, this is what mm-hmm. kind of life physics was. It was kind of putting some of uh, uh, a theory, right, uh, and some ideas behind what is the underlying nature of reality, therefore why not only we have the normal behaviors that we think of, but also stuff that we tend to think of as paranormal. And I like to say all my normal is para. So there you go, paranormal. Um, yeah. Para, can you bend spoons? I did when I was young. Uh, I when, when we they had uh, the guy been I think it was Kreskin uh, built bent spoons on TV when we a bunch of us in the 1960s when we were all little kids and I did it that first time and then I wasn't able Ooh. to do that afterwards I did do that and I was like I didn't even think anything of it because I didn't know you couldn't and then I guess maybe my mom was mad because the spoon was bent and she didn't know why and I got in trouble so I, I didn't do it after that <laughs> you know I bent it mommy no you didn't you know okay I'm not gonna I didn't you know that I'd have those moments where I have you know I do something and I my parents were uh, not they didn't have the framework to understand what it was I was doing 
I know Andrew Bushago is doing uh, tele. Uh, he was uh, floating things, making things float, and his mom. I think it's like his mom walked in the room, and they all fell down. I don't know his story. He could tell his story better, but it's that kind right. of thing. Yeah. Is your is your kid your part of the reasons why they brought children in the program is we're tabula rasa. We don't know what isn't normal. We're still learning what normal is, and so with the kids of us who got brought in programs, we just kept doing. Those things, and in my case, probably the number one thing for me is communication with other intelligence as well as communication and the ability to read the information level of just about anything I look at. And I didn't know why, why I was doing it until I understood life physics and I understood the mechanism. Wow. <laughs> That's fun. We did telekinesis. Okay, so that was yeah. one of our, one of the important skills that they taught us was telekinesis. We were able to, I was able to throw boulders, cars, I could flip tanks. Wow. That's helpful. <laughs> in warfare. Oh yeah. Well, in the program we were, uh, I'm sorry, we were, def- we were always competing against species that would live for thousands of years. Some of the reptilians would live 30,000 plus years and they all developed high level psionic capabilities, especially telekinesis, and in order for us to be able to compete at that level, they had to teach us that. Yeah, that's cool. Mine was communication, mostly, mostly communication. And I can remember sitting, when you were were talking, I was remembering sitting with my one girlfriend at a table, and she showed me how to bend the spoons, and so we we demolished her silverware. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. And it's like, we were done. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go get you some new silverware. So we did. But, um, I, but I have no idea how to do it now. It was just like we were in this mindset, like, here we go. Let's just, you know, we went through like a half dozen or so spoons. And, um, so there's a system about it. And she explained it to me. And they were doing it in state college. So the whole group was doing it. They were teaching yeah. everybody's bending spoons. But, you know, I noticed one thing. It wasn't the real, real, real thick, high-quality spoons. You know, it's not like you were getting, you know, the, the <laughs> le- or whatever, the ones that were <laughs> $50 a spoon, right? So these were lesser-quality spoons, but they you couldn't bend them just physically. You had to put some energy through it and focus and... And then it bent, and it was it was shocking. Um, same thing with the uh, the rods, the dowser rods. They were teaching how to do the dowser rods, and yes, and there was a group of them, and some of them would just sit there and they spin wildly, and they can't control them. And then others, we they would give them to them, and we could make them say yes or no with our minds. So, but I don't remember how this worked. But I recall levitating as a child, and then I was at a group at the Prophets Conference and the guy came up and took the mic and he said, anybody that levitated, come back and talk to me. And so I told Sasha, I'm going to go back and talk to this guy. I remember levitating. And I thought there'd be one, maybe two people back there. There were like 13 people that went back to talk to this guy. Wow. And we were looking at each other like, you remember levitating? And I go, yeah. So we all shared our stories on the break between the, the sessions. So um, so there's a lot to hu- more to humans than, you know, we can imagine because it's all repressed information. So, Dan, you were, so you were in this program, you were using your superpowers. Now, explain to Karen how 
you're in this body that's not your original body. Do you want to explain that to? Oh, there's no way. They weren't going to let us have that one. Oh, no way they were going to let that one come back. They What they do is they clone you. When they deploy you at 17 and a half, they clone you. Uh, not here. You're cloned on ship <clears throat> uh, on the cruiser a thousand light, year, a thousand, uh, light years away, a thousand solar systems away from here, and then they clone you. And then that clone of you when you're 17 and a half is put in stasis, and then you do your 20 and then they destroy it. They put your soul into that clone, uh, which is a dumbed-down clone. Doesn't have any of the capabilities that uh, you developed over the years, especially over the twenty and back uh, years. And then they destroy the uh, the body because there's no way they're going to let that body come back. I mean, I could throw cars. I could throw boulders. I could, it, you'd be a god if you came back with those abilities. So they're not going to let us come it back with those. Be on the new, the latest uh, Marvel Comics movie. Uh, I don't watch those. I'm a physicist. I do inventing. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right. So you don't want to be with the superheroes of Marvel Comics. So you can They don't allow that. They won't allow so that. They don't right. Allow that. Yeah. So you're I think a normal too, person. Yeah, I think, too, uh, a lot of people experience, uh, I've noticed uh, sort of our kinds of folks seem to have a lot of, Physical ailments, uh, odd diseases, rare diseases. Apparently, uh, uh, A.R. Borden, we, we may, I think his clone, I'm, I'm one of the ones that think his clone was the one that died of cancer, not him. Um, but I mean, uh, I think uh, they, they, they're dumbing down the physical body as well because, like you said, they don't want, of course, they don't want this to get out and they certainly don't want, yeah, if you if, if you physically develop the ability to do stuff, they don't want that running around because it is, uh, it's why Superman has a secret identity, right? <laughs> because they don't want uh, that to stick out, right? Uh, I'm Batman. You know, right. Well, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the really uh, long-lived uh, Anunnaki among us will stage their own death and then have assume another identity uh, because they keep living. Yeah, that right. makes sense. That makes sense because That's uh, what they said. Uh, that's what they said uh, that uh, Enki did. He would just be in an area, and when it got like obviously he should be dead, <laughs> he would just uh, move away before. You know, back then they didn't keep in touch with you. Or uh, AR Borden uh, faked his death, or had his death faked once before, and uh, I so uh, there was I, I, when I was in, in Texas, I hooked up with one of his the group in between the founding of the Life Physics Group. And the one, groups he was in just before he did the last batch of us. And, uh, I, that was like, that's like throw a dart on the map of the United States and you hit the one place where ADR Borden used to hang out. It happened to me. I got moved. I always feel like a weirdo chess piece because I got moved from, like, I never thought I would hear about ADR Borden again at all when I, when I moved that one time. And I got moved to a part of Texas where there was all these people who knew him. It was the weirdest thing, and and I got to That's hear a whole bunch of weird. And I heard stories of him, you know, bilocating and popping in and out of reality and uh, faking his death. And then, and then after he passed, there's quite a few people don't think he really passed the way we think he did. And that that he actually appeared to that and one of those one of those people that knew him from before. So uh, he was a high level commander, I think. This person saw him in in, uh, in command, like a general's outfit or something. Um, so uh, I just don't think that he, I think he's not going to be interacting in the way that he did before and definitely not 
finding any more any more acolytes like us. But it, you know, we've continued to stay in contact with each other. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm on a high sky. I've been a cocooning. I've been kind of like healing and cocooning and being a human, you know, for a while. It's kind of nice. Uh, but I uh-huh. stayed into, I've watched others like, um, different ones, you know, coming out with different information. And I think the story's kind of burbling on under the surface. Since I've lived where I live now in New Mexico, now I've met quite a few people that were researchers in Sandia Labs and JPL and that sort of thing. So really it's, it's when humanity's kind of ready to know those stories is we're going to be so shocked when all this kind of turns out. And I, 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 you ask me any given day, do I think it's going to come out or not? It depends on the day. Uh, but I think, uh, I think eventually it will. And the stories that we'll hear, because they're being suppressed right now quite actively, um, I think we've all experienced uh, what I call microaggression deplatforming. So, you know, nickel and diming with your posts and weird funny sounds that just happen like that ringing bell and, you know, just, just odd stuff. Yeah. And I think it, it's kind of in a suppression mode right now. But you know when 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 the whatever the time comes, it's a revealing happens. I think it's happening in stages. That's why we're finding each other. That's the big one, finding each other and confirming for each other. This is amazing. Right, and and I think this is disclosure. This is soft disclosure, but we're looking for you know not landing on the White House law. We got we gave a. Up on that one, but they did, you know, in 52, they did go, or 51, whatever year that was. We have even movies and stills of, they went across, uh, the Capitol, the White House building. But, uh, Dan, so you're working on that level. You're working on some technologies. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about your technologies and how they'll basically save the earth? You know, we're, we're dying here. We've got all these species disappearing and, Soon we're not be able to eat anymore because there'll be no fish in the oceans and you know, can't breathe the air. So, uh, Dan, let's talk about solutions. We have about a half an hour. What are some of your ideas? Well, uh, <clears throat> I thought that the, uh, the the secret space program, interplanetary corporate conglomerate people, the, the people that are in charge of the aerospace companies, the boards and the major stockholders of the United States aerospace companies and some companies in the five eyes, but mostly United States. And they're they're the ones that rule this planet. The Committee of 200, Patrick Shanahan, uh, Temporary Secretary of Defense, he's on the Committee of 200. Um, Anyway, they they don't want to release the technology at all because, um, well, there's lots of reasons. They don't want to release it at all, and I've confirmed that. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get them to release a lower level. I call it the transitional level, transcending out of this very antiquated level of technology that we're using now, uh, burning fossil fuels, destroying our planet, um, polluting our planet, you know, killing, uh, putting plastics in the ocean, can't get it out. I'm trying to move it into the transitional phase where we're just using magnetic energy technologies in order to save the planet, and that'll be sufficient. I can completely restore this planet from in 25 to 50 years. Everybody won't be in economic slavery anymore. Economic slavery will be done. You'll all be free of economic slavery. It'll be a pressing planet within 25 to 50 years just using the transitional technologies, which is really magnetic energy-powered uh, generators, motors, and engines. And I've designed all these things, uh, and um, and I'm patenting them. And so Originally, the Secret Space Program personnel said, oh, no, that's impossible. Then I proved it wasn't. Mathematically, current ma- uh, with regular mathematics, not not the more advanced mathematics in the secret space program, but the mathematics they're teaching in college. 
And I use that mathematics level in order to prove that um, a magnetic energy can be harnessed um, over unity beyond the amount of energy it's necessary to release it. And basically you can uh, – I just patented a component for a generator that um, is solid state made of all um, off-the-shelf components, and uh, a shoebox-sized one will power your house for 30 years straight. Costs about $200 to make. That's not what they're going to – charge the end user they might charge the end user about two thousand dollars but even that for 30 years you're talking about a fraction of a penny per kilowatt hour to run everything in your house 25 25 kilowatt continuous uh which is which is a peak requirement for houses in the united states 25 kilowatt uh continuous for 30 years straight non-stop and then and the, then we have the ones for automobiles we have swap out and I have swap out engines for all those. I have the desalination system for cleaning or for uh, making cheap desal water. A lot of people want um, fresh water, drinking water. And then also uh, the same system also uh, cleans up uh, all pollution. Any kind of pollution you can think of, it'll remove it from the environment. It's like industrial reclamators, except it's not that nearly that advanced. But, but even just with magnetic energy, all those things uh, are possible, and I've, and I've reinvented them all. Right. right. They don't want this to come out, and um, we're not getting this out. They're not allowing so it. So they're not out now. So not out, they're not allowing it. I know because I'm the one pushing the buttons right there in Huntsville, Alabama, right there in D.C. So I know what they're going to allow. Because I'm the one screaming, let it go, let it go. And they're going, no, no, no. So there's no hope. First they said, oh, that's not possible. Then I proved it was. Then they said, oh, but you can't invent that. And then I did and patented it. Now they're saying, oh, well, we're not going to do that. Well, okay. We'll, we'll work on that one. I'm working on okay, it. Okay, so we're working on it. Don't we have any help outside of this matrix? Aren't there any species? I mean, I have contact with species. Go, go ahead. Ask. Go ahead. Next, who was talking? Go ahead. Is that you, Sasha? Sasha. Sasha. That was not me. My mic was shut off. Then. Is that Karen? Uh, what would you like to say, though? No, it was a male voice. What would you like to say, Sasha? You're so quiet. Um, anyway. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say okay. anything, Jen. It's just listening. Okay. Okay, so... So they're not going to allow we're slave. So explain to Karen how I mean I know Karen is aware, but what you're aware of about the nature of our enslavement. So we're not going to make this. I'm just I I just believe it's just a belief. I have a gut instinct. I'm very psychic that somehow this is going to happen. We're we're going to be permitted to uh, create a better system. We may not be all you know getting bailed out of jail, but the slave system is going to lighten up and give us a better quality of life. And that's why I wake up in the morning. I'm dedicated to that. So, Karen, do you have any questions for Dan no, or vice versa? No, I'd like to make a comment on what you guys are saying because um, my yes. uh, my ad- intensity adventure with this starts exa- – I just realized it was exactly 10 years ago in 2009 when I started uh, automatic writing, downloading from the guys that were working with me at that time. And they kept telling me something that I, I honestly, being second-generation pessimistic conspiracy theorist uh, – didn't believe. I had a hard time believing at the time. 
was they have insisted all along that we are going to transition to the new way. Um, it, it, it's not, it's been, it's going to happen. It's not a um, will it or won't it situation. Uh, but how that happens is it has to do not with necessarily improving our technologies in all the way. We've got tons of just implications of being a technology person, implications of technology we already know fully implemented would be some amazing stuff if, if it were allowed by this antiquated fractional economic system that we're in. So what it, it, it's really kind of a philosophical special realization. It, as I've worked with them, like they showed me markers of things to look for. So, so they showed me technical things to watch for, including 3D technology and all that kind of stuff and AI and whatnot. They've also showed me spiritually, philosophically what needs to happen. And um, that's, you know, I wanted to know, okay, so how, what's the holdup? How do we get there? And they basically said it's really a, a commitment. So if it's a commitment of each one of us that we're going to pull our heads out of thinking that it's okay for there to be homeless, that it's okay for there to be starving kids on the street. Once we say this is not okay and we're going to do something about it, it doesn't even matter how small of a start that is. As we more and more collectively take, you know, if you don't take care of the people on your planet, what reason is there a need for you to continue, honestly? Because eventually that's going to grind to a halt. You're going to blow yourselves up. You're going to starve yourselves out. It's not going to work. You're going to implode as a civilization, and you should. Why should the, why should the, the, the universe want that to continue is, is that just goes darker and darker. What they're saying is we're, it's in the hands of every one of us, not special people, not high up people, not even the rich people. It's up to us to start to say, and not just say it, but commit to it. I'm not going, so this is the whole, you know, look at it galactically and start locally situation, you know. It, every one of us needs to start walking in the direction of, okay, um, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to resolve that thing. And the more of us that do that, and A.R. Borden was always talking about of a tipping point of like it's like 3% of the population, not just the do-gooders, not the ones that, that are, you know, on the front lines dealing with the homeless or whatever, but everybody stop blaming each other what's happening. Stop calling, stop calling each other sheeple, okay, because now you're you're not going to work with someone you think is a sheeple, right? Doing it, doing it, not talking about it, not on Facebook, do something okay, towards that. It's not up to the galactics to make sure we do. Okay, nobody brush your teeth for you. Nobody, you know, go to the bathroom. You, you've got to be the one to do this. You have to do something and start working it. But really, like yourself, okay, take care of yourself, take care of your health, take care of your family, take care of a neighbor. I know that sounds really basic. You know, spirituality 101. It doesn't feel like that, that's really gotten us anywhere. Uh, but with, you know, uh, I remember going to a, a meeting, a place where it was really messy in the meeting hall there. And it was like they were talking about cleaning up the planet and they wouldn't even clean up the hallway there. I started like tidying up and wiping tables and stuff. I'm like, okay, how can you talk about cleaning up the planet when this, this place is a mess in here and it's, they don't, they don't even want to do that and, and, and be a community that way. So that's that's something I've really become very conscious of. Um, and, uh, you know, notice the things that are happening that are like that and the other people doing that and start participating with it. 
And that's really what it's about. It's, you know, what, what's, hold, what's the holdup? We're the holdup. It's our job. Right. And, it's and like what, a spiritual concept. Yeah. You don't just sit there to do something. And what even we if it's do, just, uh, loving, loving your neighbor, loving the person be, you know, next to you. Uh, yeah. Shifting your heart. Noticing yeah, once we do that, thoughts projecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, H- hating somebody because you have your problem, you know. Okay, well that doesn't work. It's not going to change anything. So yeah, it's it's really so si- simple. It's it's basic. But when we do that more and more and more, and tell our truth and talk about, like I think it's very loving to uh, talk to someone like Dan and you guys and and ver- verify each other and not hold back. I think that's loving too. I think once we do that. And, and speak our truth and love. That's the, what the, the universe will rush in and give us what we need. The, the bad guys are, it's like a, uh, the, the right now politically, uh, the bad guys are, you know, certain aspects of one part are expecting the other one not to read a certain report. Okay. So that's the thing. If you don't read the report or you don't do the work, you won't have the benefit of being able to intelligently understand something. It's the same thing. They're depending on us not doing that to continue being the way they, they are. Mm-hmm. They don't get to vote on this. They're not in control of this. They're not the ones running the show. Our lack of action is. And the minute we start doing that, the benevolence will be able to do more with us to help us. But but the technology, I think it's right. all there. I, I think the technology is there. I think the inventors are there. I think the math is there. I think it's all there for us, and we could literally turn it around in a, in a nanosecond once we committed to it. That's the way I think. Sasha wants to talk. Go ahead, Sasha. Uh, yeah, yeah, from my perspective, um, it seems that everything is just as it should be, and that the challenges that are uh, are are have reached an intensity that's appropriate to motivate us to do what's perfect. Uh, and so, you know, it's always the best of times and the worst of the times, but this is our time right now. And uh, it's really totally perfect in the overall scheme of things. And that's the way I look at it. Well, Karen was talking about um, being witnessed. So we're witnessing each other and being accepted for who you are and not having to show up as your facade anymore. You want to, uh, that was part of that book of what, Emergence of Man. It's a, a teaching from, I guess, uh, goes back to the 50s and 60s. What, what benefit is there to being witness? How does that help you heal, evolve, grow, and get conscious? Sasha. As soon as, as soon as you're witnessing, you're stepped back one from being whatever uh, part you've identified with. And that's the, the power in, in uh, psychotherapy, in Jungian psychology. You learn to accept the opposites within you from a center, which sees which need each of those opposites within you serves. And uh, every day, uh, what you think is your center turns out to be a limited perspective because it's uh, dualistically contraposed to another. And life is a sequence of becoming more and more aware of what uh, uh, interactive system you're trapped in. And what happens, it's uh, the perturbations in a system uh, is what we're experiencing now. The disturbances are what allow you to uh, transcend this particular level, uh, which you can do any second and which you're doing and not doing all the time. And so I think it's perfect. 
Okay, we're running uh, out the clock here. We've got about 10, 11, 12 minutes. Uh, back to you, Dan. Any questions, comments, feedback? Oh, well, let's see now. <clears throat> the... Uh, yeah, yeah. The initiative process, so basically, yes, everybody has to be involved. The only way you're going to save yourself is if a vast majority of you become involved in, 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 in doing that. And, and the only way people are going to do that, like, uh, Karen is saying is that you have to get beyond your own selfishness and look to the community and serving others. And, uh, and the vast majority of you will have to do that in order for us to free ourselves from the, uh, they sold, uh, the SSP sold everybody on this planet as slaves. And they're committed to that, and they don't want to change that. That's why they won't give us the technology. But we can change that, but it takes most a lot of us, most of us, to do that. Um, there is a political way to do it, but but Karen's right. A lot of people are going to have to grow up a little bit spiritually and socially, um, more loving towards each other, and to be able to accomplish that, because you're not going to do this, the initiative process. You're not going to engage in the initiative process uh, with millions and millions of people unless you are community oriented. So yeah, Karen's right. I just think that, uh, it will come out as the initiative process. I like that. So go ahead. Oh, um, yeah. And, and ahead, I, it, yeah, I want to, I wanted to say, uh, in that level, like, Sometimes when I've been on your shows, you know, it's like a shameless plug part of the, you know, show. And uh, I didn't, I didn't, I don't have anything going on right now like that. So uh, no websites or anything. I'm, I'm in a zone right now for help. But what I did want to say, because I'm sitting here in front of me is a big plate of, of, of a homegrown organic oregano that uh, my partner and I are gleaning uh, from, you know, the community and stuff. And uh, um, is to, if there was ever a time to tell everybody right now, urgently, okay, plant a garden in the United States between what is going on with the Chinese trade issues, the tensions on the border, I'm down in New Mexico, so I know some a little bit about that, uh, along with the, uh, the earth change issues and weather going on in the Midwest. If there was ever time to plant a garden and, and plant a plant, if you can't do a garden, as well as plug into your local community when it comes to food um, and make sure you're, you, there's every square inch that you've got some kind of say so on, start planning stuff. It's now. It's this year. This is going to be really what breaks down the control systems is when they hang, when they're not in control anymore because they're not meeting people's needs. And, and that's going to be one of the mechanisms that does it is because if you control something, you're certainly like, there's people still bent on control, but they're not actually doing any work to try to, you know, feed people and uh, clothe people and house people. And Janet, I think we wanted to talk at some point about the minimum needs economy. Um, the, the break, th that is the breakdown. The control system gets so controlling. Uh, there's too many uh, chiefs and not enough Indians, you know, that <laughs> say, I'm Native American, I could say that, uh, doing, the, doing the work work, which is everybody and um, little kids and everybody. It's, it's, it's time to activate on that uh, urgently. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Okay, I got I know this is going to take a whole show, Janet, but the Chinese are our friends. They, uh, the, the SSP gave China this planet uh, in 1985. I know I was involved in that. That's going to take a whole show for me to explain it. They're not our enemies, they're our friends. You, 
it's going to take me also to explain it. But they're just well, not what we're being taught. Reader's Digest for. I, I will like, say I don't think there are enemies. We just have that politically going on. I absolutely think that everybody. As our fellow Earthling, for sure. <laughs> I just want to say. Um, Janet wants to show I for think there are clients. The SSP, yeah, the Secret Space Program, gave we buy this them. planet to China in 1985 as an agreement. They gave this planet to China as long as they could have everything else throughout the galaxy. And China went ahead and, went ahead and agreed to it in 1985. But they were unaware that the outer barrier was going to be put up in 2014. So... They, uh, so now the SSP says, well, we want, we want this planet back now because we're all locked, we're in lockdown on the solar system. And the Chinese are saying, no, you made an agreement in 85, you gotta keep it. So that's gonna take a whole show for me to go over the details of that. So I'd love Karen back on that one. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, we're, we should be partnering with them and, and not feeling competitional because we're all on this planet together. And it would take every last one of us. I'm not one of those people that believes that population, we have the population we have because we need it for the entire collective. Well, the, all the minds that we need to, make changes, that need to make changes and all. So, yeah, I'm so, hearing my uh, echo, so I'm going to stop. Karen, I don't, okay. Karen, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to know, do you have an idea when you might be able to come back to assist us on some future shows, uh, recovering from your, procedures you're going through well i kind of blocked out yeah i blocked out 2019 because i just had so many kind of lined up uh my my medical stuff is somewhat of a function of uh the on again off again uh healthcare system that uh, you know i had some things that i didn't take care of because i didn't have healthcare uh options and so i'm taking kind of catching those up so um Talk to me in a couple months. Uh, I might be able to at least talk. And then I'm I'm doing. Uh, I know some of you know Andrew Bashago. Keep him in in your thoughts and help him. He's uh, having surgeries on his eyes because his uh, some of his residual from the secret space program was damaged to his eyes. And uh, I have some of the early stages of the same thing. Uh, so uh, I'm going to need to take care of that. So don't ask me to read a script. <laughs> uh, but I mean, uh, so it's it's kind of in that space right now. In the meantime. Uh, I'm working hyper locally with uh, a venue and stuff for, you know, to continue to bring our, our my, my local community more into an awareness of, you know, um, zero waste uh, uh, options. And I talk about the basic income to some of my locals and they, their eyes glaze over. But fortunately, Andrew Yang uh, is running for president on that platform. So uh, it's, it's really uh, the discussion. I, I think I feel I can stand down a little because I actually see some overt changes kind of happening. And if we could keep going down that trail, uh, that's some positive stuff. I try to look at the positive stuff because the negative stuff, well, you know, I've done that already. Right. I, yeah. I can't, that that's depressing. It makes you want to exit when you shouldn't. And, uh, you know, stay positive, uh, on the positive thing. And if you're dealing with a negative person, maybe, maybe you just move on <laughs> and just go talk to somebody who wants to hear what you have to say. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've learned to do this little mantra when I encounter negative people. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. <laughs> Just move on. Because uh, you can't change them. Uh, hopefully we're all going to learn a lot in the near future here about what it's like to be more kind and loving and accepting and tolerant. And so that's interesting that you mentioned Andrew Yang. He's a very 
uh, interesting person. He's a uh, Chinese American. I think he's second generation. Uh, he is American citizen, and he's running on the basic minimum income. So you, Karen and I have talked about the basic minimum needs uh, society uh, system, and it seems like they're piece billing it together. So they have they have the BMI, and they are anchoring it with uh, fifteen dollar an hour labor. Um, the basic minimum income they would be providing is a thousand a month to every uh, citizen over. 18, they would finance it because, uh, through the, um, it's an added charge. They would add people like Amazon that are automating and taking away jobs. And then they're looking at the Medicare for all. And what was the other leg? Uh, education. Um, uh, free education. You know, this, this tuition thing. Free oh education. Gosh, yes. That was bantered around in the early 60s by Robert Rimmer and a bunch of people back in the early 60s. And that was the basis of the book, The Herod Experiment, which was a very interesting book. And they made a couple of movies about it. So these are these are not new concepts. Apparently, the BMI basic minimum income goes back to some of our uh, founding fathers. I don't have all the, the I don't have it memorized, but we can report about it. So um Karen, add what you can about this basic minimum income and needs economy and how that might work. Well, the uh, Kurdishev, yeah, the Kurdishev scale is something they talked about. What level of civilization are you, right? And it talked about how you harness and use energy and, and all that. I actually think it has to do with how do you treat your people. And so it's, it's once you do, you know, we, we're at a, ne- I don't even know if we're zero, we're negative one or something, but we've got to, got to get to the point where we take care of everybody so that we're not a imposition on, you know, with poverty, a poverty war and an imposition on the planet. And that's just a basic thing. So it'd be the basic income. It would be the income gets offset as we further develop technology. Uh, we won't need as much money for, let's say, for energy is, is an example. Um, uh, we would have a, 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 a basic housing uh, if it's going to continue to be really ludicrously expensive. Uh, or we're going to have basic uh, uh, education um, and also um, health care and also communication. You, were, you and I talked earlier today about communication. So we wouldn't have this thing where we're using a corporation mm-hmm. to communicate with each other who can now cut us off and cause trouble, um, as well as transportation and transportation uh Systems that we could have could be, te- if we decide to bring all the exotic stuff in, it could be teleportation. We could now integrate. Nobody would be vying for the money to have the contract to do this. We can begin to integrate uh, technology much faster because it's the money system that is the technology that's like uh, – you know, uh, like it was uh, your basic uh, computer with a modem thing. I mean, it's our the, the technology that's, that's holding everything back is the monetary system, which is the wealth distribution system. And it's holding us back right. because we don't know how to support somebody who lost their job because it got automated right now. Or we don't know how to not have a billionaire make a lot of money because, you know, like what happened to Nikola Tesla when he came up with free energy and he was uh, his the guys who bankrolled and cut him off because he said, hey, it's free energy right they didn't dig that so much so we've had we've had a technology coming to us since 1800s even that would have helped us actually yeah that that would have helped us our future would have been very different if we 
would have supported Tesla. So it's a matter of it's a matter of the will. The will, if you got the will, there'll be the way. Um, and it's all, I think it's already there. And of course, the revelation of all the, uh, you know, technology and the secret space program, Star Trek in. I think you said Janet a Star Trek. Yeah, like Star right. Trek in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we would be in a different timeline had they gone with Tesla technology and we'd have the, we'd be spacefaring in the open program, not the secret space program, and we'd have cures for diseases and physical immortality or extreme longevity and, and all these things which these are keeping us back. So, um, and, and who, who made these decisions and how is this being enforced? I think part of it is we're, we're keeping it that way because we don't have uh, this alternative to wrap our minds around. You know, this is a self-policing society. We keep ourselves in this box, and anybody that tries to go above it, they get the, you know, knocked down and, you know, shitted and shamed. But I think we need to just wrap our heads around it and start embracing it, and we are co-creating this reality. We are the co-creators with God, source, and universal consciousness. So we're creating this prison planet uh, at the highest level. Okay, we're running out. Oh, God, we have one minute. Um, Dan, finish off the clock. We've got one minute. One minute. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to our next shows. You want to uh, have a discussion about China. You want to have further discussion about uh, the transition out of the economic slavery system but that takes quite a bit of explaining um yeah we have a lot to talk about okay we will plan some future shows karen you can have the final word then oh go ahead yeah uh, plant a garden plant a garden get involved in in supporting your own non-monetary way of having food i think that's a big one right there right now and you can, you can I put have, food in I've just been handed an urgent news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. On the go? Still want to listen? Don't have one of those fancy phones with too many buttons. Don't know what an app is? Or you don't even care? Well, we got you here at Revolution Radio. Now you can dial in 24-7 to listen to our shows. We have a number for Studio A and Studio B. And best of all, it's free. Don't forget, your carrier charges for your cell phone provider may apply, though. So check with your cell provider to make sure. So ready? Here you go. Get a pen. Here's the number. Studio A is 712-432-6958. And Studio B is 716-748-0112. Thank you very much for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station in the world.
everyone. It's Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Thanks for tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we are listener-sponsored and commercial-free. But there still are bills to pay. In order to raise some needed funds to cover the cost, our station is offering a silver special. In the continental United States for a $60 donation, or in Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada for a $70 donation, we will send you an uncirculated 2018 one-ounce pure silver eagle. The $70 donation, uh, the extra 10 is to cover shipping, by the way, outside of the continental United States. When making the donation, you must put Silver Eagle promo in the notes on the donation. And thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at revolution.radio and freedomslips.com. Without you, there is no less. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. Looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs? Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can find us right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on 